Well, hello. I'm back. Thank you so much for patiently waiting for the next episode of the Gentleman's Corner podcast, hosted by yours truly, Jay the Gentleman. And we have a great episode for you, episode number three, with the lovely Brittany Lee Lewis, uh, a fellow Temple Owl alum. I met Brittany back in college, have some great stories that we talk about in the episode. But I wanted her on the show because she's just so dope. Um, she is a former Miss Black America, um, following in the footsteps of Oprah Winfrey and Tony Braxton, just to name uh, some notable names from that award, as well as being Miss Delaware that back in 2014 uh, for the Miss America organization. And since then, she's been an advocate for domestic abuse awareness, as well as winning several service awards and earning massive degrees. She's currently um, in her PhD program for history at George Washington. So very smart, very intelligent person we have for this episode. She's so much fun. And I hope that you take something from her journey because her journey is incredible. Just going through the whole pageant uh, organizations, um, her advocacy for domestic, uh, domestic violence uh, uh, awareness, as well as just being an African-American in America and being allowed to speak her her mind and her opinions, her very educated opinions on black history, on being African-American in America and just going through what we all been going through over the last couple of years um, in these trying times and being able to give, being able to receive platforms to further have a discussion on what's really going on. This interview goes pretty deep, but it also has some light-hearted uh, elements as well. So I hope you have a great time listening to Brittany Lewis. Once again, this is the Gentleman's Corner Podcast, Jay the Gentleman, Episode 3. I hope you enjoy. finishing up a um, PhD program in history at George yeah. Washington University, so that is taking up a ton of my time. When are you finished? Um, Lord. <laughs> 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 um, that's really contingent on me, honestly. Um, you know, it's once you get to the dissertation phase, um, yeah. the ball is really in your court. They kind yeah. of are like, you know, you finish your comprehensive exams, depending on if you had a master's degree in history. Um, you know, you move on to the dissertation phase, I would say, like, end of second year or potentially like third year um but okay. then you really have like year four five six seven eight <laughs> to finish i mean Man. i think i think in like nine years that's when they're kind of like so <laughs> like, uh... let's have a chat um but yeah it's you really make your own timeline it's it's you know it's writing a book so there's only right. some guidance they can provide at that point and you're you're um you're at george washington right yeah yeah in dc yeah how's, and so how you like the the program everything's cool and like like fits to what you're trying to do yeah um 
it's tough, right? Picking programs. Um, I absolutely love my advisor. Um, she's a black woman. We have a lot of the same politics. So there was a really good fit there. And, you know, your advisor, these systems, um, like PhD programs, they're really based on this like old school apprenticeship model, if you will. Mm. And it's like so much of your success is, is tied to your advisor in a lot of ways. So I'm really grateful for her. That's um, cool. I would, the department, um, the university, mm, eh. Um, it's mm. not the most multicultural, diverse place. It's certainly not Temple University. Right. Well, <laughs> at least when we were not. there. <laughs> yeah. At least, yeah. Right. At least when we were there, um, it is not that. So that's a little. That's a little bit of a bummer. Um, you know, but I'm getting through. I can't really complain. It was. It was kind of a toss up. It was like, okay, I can go to a university um, that has a lot more faculty that has a lot more faculty of color, but it could have mm. been in a more remote area, right? Sure. So it's kind of like, okay, I'm at GW where it's not very diverse, um, but I'm in I'm in, I'm in Chocolate City or what was right. Chocolate City? Right, right, right. Um, I mean, you mentioned Temple, and that's pretty much our connection. We start. We both went to Temple. Um, I had the pleasure of curating a, some choreography for the diamond gems back in the day um yeah. that was a lot of fun um and I, I don't know if you remember but like when like we used to hang out and like we used to like talk to like like to the end of like to the morning basically and i remember the one time you put me onto the book uh it's bigger than hip-hop and like after i read that book i was like yo everybody needs to read this book um, <laughs> but that was kind of like the relationship we had like we would just like we were cool and we would hang out we would talk this this and this and and fast forward to, you know, seeing you on like Miss America or whatever it was. Like that was insane because I want to get this right. You were Miss Delaware 2014, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. And like you were on the, the show and like you had a lot of like TV time too when they did like the vignettes and stuff. Um, can you just talk about like, I never really got a chance to really like talk to you about that experience and what made you, you know, becoming that, that world, the whole other world. Yeah, it really is its own world. It's funny, um, you know, people just kind of who don't know me, don't know my background, they're just like, oh, she's probably been doing pageants forever. And I'm like, that's certainly right. not the case. That's not right. who I was in any capacity. Um, I actually, my best friend, she had done one of the pageants in the Miss America system like years prior. And I was like, hey girl, what's up with this? And she's like, yeah, yeah it's great, you should definitely do it. They give a lot of scholarship money. Um, yeah. She knew, you know, I, I, I got a decent scholarship from Temple, but I still had some federal loans that I wanted to cover. Um, sure. And I'm like, okay, let me, let me try this thing out. Like, I love to perform. You know, I'm already, you know, right. I love to perform. Um, I'm super into politics. They have an interview component that I really right. like. I was like, yeah, let me try this thing out. So yeah. I ended up doing the, the, this particular pageant goes local, state, then national. So right. I ended up doing a local, um, and I certainly didn't win. There's like all these unwritten rules to pageantry, um, like how you stand and just even how you appear in the interview room. Like, I don't know. So I'm showing up in the interview room with no makeup, all black, some tights, you know, one not uh, one, I won the interview award, um, but I, you know, I, I didn't necessarily fit the pageant part, right? I, the advice that I got afterwards from a mentor in the audience was, uh, you know, she basically came up to me afterwards and she said, "So you've got it," um, because I was still like, I, I was first runner up. She's like, "You've got it." She's just like, for you to get this far, that means that you just you have the the base. We just need right. to polish this, um, right? Right. <laughs> and then I really think you could go far in the organization. So um, she helped me out. She gave me a few pointers, and um, before I knew it, I, I was I was in that world, and I, I was also really interested in it because it was so lucrative um, in terms right. of scholarship money. Um, I think I know people. 
people have their critiques of pageants. I have tons to say about that. I'll um, just go, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna yeah. get to that. <laughs> but one thing I think that you can never take away, particularly because there are tons of pageant systems from the Miss yeah. America system is they are the largest providers of scholarships for women. Um, I got 33 grand um, in total in three years um from pageants uh and I, mean, I hold and, a bag <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean granted they don't just hand it to you in cash it's not like, no, you know, like <laughs> here you go. um but they do hand it directly to your institution your loan officer or you can put it towards um anything that has to do with like your educational aspirations so yeah um i i love that i remember when i did that first pageant that local i didn't win but i still left with like three grand because i got an award for interview i got an award for talent um you know, you can still leave. I got, I've gotten uh, tons of awards for community service, right? They're very mm -hmm. heavy in the community service space. So um, I was like, wait, I don't even have to win this. And yeah. I, can get, I can get money. I was you like, had like you had bird mad hand. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it was really, it was really a great space for me. And it was super lucrative, especially knowing that I, I definitely wanted to continue my education, you know, master's degree and PhD. Sure. Sure. Actually very super, super grateful for it. Yeah, I mean, um, we said earlier, it's just like a whole nother world. I'm, I'm sure just even in, being in that, that, that industry for such a brief time compared to a lot of the other women that do, they probably did it since they were like kids, right? Um, like, I'm sure there's a lot of just backstage politics and pettiness. I mean, it just goes with the territory. It's a competition, first and foremost, it's a competition. So like, with, like without getting too deep into it or, or you know, incriminating any names, was there any like wild stories that you can kind of like briefly talk about real quick? Um, I like the spicy yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny actually, and maybe it's just because of the company that I kept. There wasn't a ton of drama. Like Did I you know ever hear a I, lot of drama. Like I know we see a ton of drama on TV with like you know. Uh, you know, a lot of shows where there there's women and there's glitz and glam. Um, sure. There wasn't a whole whole lot of that. I'm at least for me anyway. The people that I kept around me, I would say the girls who the girls who I'm cool with. Um, you know, I'm still friends with them. Like a lot of yeah. these girls, um, I've maintained relationships with, um, and they were actually very helpful. Now that's not to say that there wasn't <laughs> obviously moments. Um, I I think I think the first time I was at my first state pageant. Actually, it was my roommate, and, and I can tell you the story. Um, you know, it was my first state pageant, so I'm a newcomer, and I think there's something really refreshing about yeah. be, about not being a veteran in this pageant space because you're just like, like whatever. Like, exactly. So I was like, the pageant was a Pittsburgh. That's when my parents stopped to come. I was like, don't drive all the way up to Pittsburgh. Like, I'm not gonna yeah. play these. Like, there's these girls in here. It's a huge. It was for. Um, sure state pageant for Miss PA. I was like, this is, um, it's a huge, it's a, it's a competitive state. There's so many locals, so many girls. I'm not going to place, let alone win. Um, you know, don't worry about it. And I remember hearing my roommate and she's someone who has competed year over year. She was placing in the top five. Um, you know, she knew it was between her and a few other girls, or at least so she yeah. thought. And I overheard her telling her mom, I guess her mom must have asked like about the roommate. She's like, and I guess she thought I couldn't hear because she'd like separate outside the door. But she's like, oh, yeah, my roommate, I don't have to worry about her. She's not she's not competition. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, super crazy. Right. And, and granted, she had an excellent performance. Her talent was through the roof. Um, she had this beautiful, I mean, like had to be like $7,000 beaded gown. It was stunning, like absolutely Whoa. stunning. Um, but she didn't even make the top 10. Um, and I was like, I'm going to wrap. <laughs> Salt, salty yes she was throwing um it was the first time i had seen because again i had done a few locals but you know i wasn't really immersed in a super competitive space and i and, I, and now i really i do understand her frustration in terms of like you're spending thousands of dollars on yeah outfits and 
gowns and talent training makeup um, shoes and, yes and and you're you're not placing like i understand the frustration but i just never seen it um and she just started as soon as they announced the the i don't even i don't even think she made the 10 um and as soon oh. as they announced kind of the the top the top girls she was she was uh, behind the stage, just like throwing things, throwing shoes, screaming, crying. I mean, the type of emotion. And at that time, it was early for me. So I'm like, girl, it's a pageant. Like, right. That was, that was me in the beginning. I, right. I you just didn't know. Yeah. You didn't know. Um, I didn't. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was not um, prepared for that. And I heard some of the gossip too, just in terms of you know, this is who the winner is going to be. The family is close with the executive director. And, and it's not to say that, that cheating doesn't happen. Um, it does. It, yeah. it absolutely does. So, I mean, you know. like, again, when you, when you get to the bare bones of it, it is the competition. So there's going to, somebody's going to try to find that edge, whether it's playing ping pong or in Miss America pageants, like they just want to get that edge. And I just assumed, uh, like, you know, maybe heard some war stories or like certain, uh, certain, uh, women that are in these pageants that are like have a history of you know whatever um, I just didn't know what it was um, if you ever got experience to that yourself and it looks like you really did it only by someone who was a little I want to say jealous but I guess on in her own right she was frustrated because you know she kind of grew up in that and you just come all along with this natural LeBron James athleticism and right. just taking <laughs> over the league and they're like who the, who is this like yeah, so I, I, think can, I, get I think that. it's refreshing when you have nothing, you know, there's nerves that kick in. So when you're like, win or lose, I'm just happy to be here. You don't yeah. have that extra nerve. So you're truly your authentic self. I think in that interview room, the feedback that I got, the reason why I played so far, it certainly wasn't because I was the girl with the most expensive gown. I wasn't. Yeah. Um, it wasn't because, um, you know, I even had necessarily the best talent. I was okay. I wasn't, you know, one of the girls who had been at this, you know, dance academy for expensive dance academy for however many years or, you know, that wasn't my experience. Um, but they said what really made me um, kind of stand, stand alone or stand apart from the rest of the girls was my interview. They said it was just mm. one of the like, refreshing and authentic interviews that they've had. I took them from laughing to crying. <laughs> um, that's so that where the, that's where that journalism degree came in handy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's like really funny interview, uh, at least in this America system interview um, makes or breaks you. Um, that yeah. is where they pick their winner because if you you do the, the interview the private interview first which is not part of the stage yeah. um, you do a seminar minute private interview first with the judges and that is where you know if they like you if they've fallen in love with your personality your character they're 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 gonna follow you into the stage competition and I they keep their eye on you for sure yeah they keep an eye on you and they might even mark you higher because it's like yeah. mm, that talent was really a six seven but I'm gonna give her eight because I really want to see her in the final five you know right. So, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, like all of that stuff, your journalism degree, dan dance team, having, being able to be in front of people and just do your thing. What was your talent? It was dance, of course. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I switched yeah. it up a little bit. I went for classical ballet. Like I did Don Quixote for the first couple of pageants. Um, and then eventually when I got to Miss America, um, which is highly, um, competitive, but also there's some politics there. Um, sure. I decided to do what was really gonna make me happy. So I did a jazz routine um, on point, but I did a yeah. jazz routine because I really just wanted to have fun. So like, were you surprised that all of, all of the uh, TV time you got on in the Miss, the, was it Miss America pageant when when they, the national one? Yeah. You were, you were, you were, you were, you were, you were <laughs> prominent. I was like, yo, is she, is she gonna win? I thought you were gonna win because of all the, the time you had on TV, it was crazy. Yeah. Um. I, <laughs> it's funny, I, 
this is so embarrassing. I don't even think I've watched all of the, sh like the show in terms of like the pre-show and things like that to even know just how much TV time I got. I know like on the ground in the moment, I felt like I got a lot of press and a yeah. lot of support, but I assumed it was because one, I'm in the kind of tri-state area, the Delaware, PA, New Jersey. Sure. Yes, I was representing Delaware because Miss America has rules where you compete um, based on your, your uh, residency, your education or your employment. And at the time oh. I was getting my master's degree in Delaware. I was, teaching Delaware. I was living in Delaware. So I qualified. Interesting thing about Miss America is like my Miss Florida was from Alabama. My Miss Ohio. I was trying to fit. I was trying to figure out the, how that works. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, cause that. you're in that age range where you're, you're, you're in college, right. Or you're in graduate school. So it's a lot easier if you have to do a your service, um, to actually represent the state where you're working in or you're um, going to school in or whatever it may be. Sure. Um, but I did let people know because the pageant is in Atlantic city and I'm from Brigantine, which is a small Island, literally yeah. right across. Right, Atlantic right there. Yeah. Like my parents were casino workers. Right. Um, such a such a um, connection to the area. I had to let people know, like, yes, I represent Delaware, but you know, my heart is also here in Jersey. And I had so many people that from the Atlantic County area, you know, the South Jersey area, um, come out to support me. Um, you know, yeah. almost, I hate to say it, but there's almost like two Miss New Jerseys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, word um, up. Yeah. So, you know, I knew local news was definitely going to give me a decent sure. amount of um, support for that reason, because, you know, people, people, I, I think that people that already like pageants, it's great, but I think people like pageants even more, um, or like any arena, like they like sports more when they know people personally and can really cheer them on. So we're going to fast forward to your, your another major flex. You just have mad flexes. Miss <laughs> um, Black America 2017. Yeah. How dope is that? Yeah, that was, it was super dope. Um, I, I knew, I, I thought I was done with pageants and I was just like, yeah, you know, I went to Miss America. I don't well, want to do anything else. I, I want to cut you off. Like, I just want to make sure the viewers understand this is like Miss Black America. So this is the, like the national. The national, yep. The national it's not channel. regional, it's not local. This is, you want it yep. overall. Want it That's overall. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Continue, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, I thought I was done with pageants. And, you know, again, there's, there's, if you're in the pageant world, there's, there's a lot of politics to pageants, certain systems, they want you to kind of work your way up before they'll crown you, unwritten rules. Um, so I'm thinking about strategically what made the most sense. Um, and for me, Miss Black America was what made the most sense for a number of reasons. One, you know, I love history. I love Black yeah. history. Yeah. Um, and that is what is so, um, I think, seductive about the Miss Black America pageant is it has such a rich history. Um, and mm -hmm. I also know it's interesting juxtaposed um, being in Miss America, right, in that experience, because historically speaking, Miss America um, through the 1950s had a rule, it was the infamous rule number seven, where you were not... Uh, you could not compete in Miss America unless you were of good health and of the white race. And granted, mm. they repealed the rule in the 1950s, but by 1968, um, there was still, uh, there still hadn't been a uh, black woman uh, as a state title holder in the Miss wow. America system. Yeah. Um, they actually, I believe they didn't have the first black state title holder until the 1970s and they didn't crown a black woman until 1984 um, with Vanessa Williams to give confidence. Right. I was going to say that. Yeah. I knew that. So in 1968, um, you know, Jay Morris Anderson, who was the founder of the Miss Black America pageant, along with a bunch of other Black women said, you know, instead of us trying to constantly force you guys to recognize and appreciate our beauty, you know, our contributions, we're just going to create our own. So they created their own pageant in 1968 yeah. and held it, you know, on the boardwalk 
you know, the same boardwalk, the same, the same exact strip of Atlantic City where the Miss America pageant was being held around the exact same time. Mm. Um, so it's always interesting. And, and what I think complicates the story even more and is so interesting is at that same time, you know, Miss America was also being protested. Um, that was when, oh. yeah. So we think about um, what was happening with the women's movement at the time. You had individuals who were like burning, well, they weren't actually burning bras. That's not true. They were throwing <laughs> out bras. They were throwing out eyelashes. They were throwing out these things um, because they were like, you know, these are um, oppressive to us as women that we need to abide by these types of concepts of femi femininity and womanhood. So it was very interesting to see how you have this group of kind of activist women who are, you know, symbolically tossing away the things that have to do with femininity in one hand, right. the Miss America pageant, but then you have black women on the other side of the boardwalk using pageant as protest so mm. it's very interesting dynamics and i think i mean it, again, wasn't it was it around that time when like in america where women's activism was really strong so that it makes sense right yeah like that the, was that that was one of the, the the kind of key moments one of the main movements um during mm -hmm. that time the women's in the women's movement mm -hmm. so um with the miss black america's um pageant what was the experience like with that one was it different was it the same kind of similar in certain areas yeah, like um it's different i think so the miss black i mean america besides pageant, the obvious but like you know yeah the miss black america pageant from like 1968 um through the early 1990s um was highly competitive um was right up there with miss america in a lot of capacities in terms of sponsorship television viewing like to give context the jackson five had their first um live uh uh, live stage and TV performance on the Miss America stage or on the Miss Black mm. America stage. Um, okay. Curtis Mayfield was the person who did the Miss Black America theme song. Um, oh, one wow. of the first judges was uh, Betty Shabazz. There was women wow. from all of these different social groups. Um, so like, it was a big deal. It was a huge. It was a huge deal. It was televised um, right, on right. on national television. I believe it was that's NBC. Phenomenal. Um, that's how big this was. People were getting sponsors. My former Miss Black Americas were on the cover of Ebony and Essence. I mean, this was a very, very big deal. Oprah, um, Miss Tennessee, Miss Black Tennessee, I think 1971, Bernadette Stannis. I mean, this was wow. a very big deal. The problem came that's crazy. in 19, I believe it, you're going to have to fact check me on these dates or any of the sure. um, some of the things that I'm saying. There's some truth to what I'm saying. Just fact check. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we'll be all right. Um, we'll be all right. <laughs> I believe it was in the early 1990s when, unfortunately, one of the contestants um, was raped by one of the celebrity judges at the time, um, Mike Tyson. Remember when oh. Mike Tyson went to jail? That was from, he was a judge for the Mr. Robin Gibbons pageant. Was it Robin Gibbons? No, no, it wasn't Robin. Um, I can't think of the name of the contestant, who it was. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So, long story short, you know, something like that um completely tore down the brand they lost wow. sponsorships um you know and eventually they just stopped operating um it really it it it, it tore the entire pageant down they revived it in 2014 okay. um you know and building it back up to the to the 50th anniversary so it's getting traction but again i think the best thing about it is kind of the the historical you know component to it right but it's different. Um, it's definitely different because they don't have the same sponsors. They still have sponsors. I mean, I met all types of like hip hop artists. I got a lot of TV time. I got, you know, there was tons of perks associated with it. They did an excellent job building it back up. Right. Um, but it's still, 
you know, it's, it's certainly not the same experience, you know, in 2017 as it probably was, you know, in 1968, 1975, sure. um, because they're still building, um, to get back to a place, um, that they were you, any kind of competitive, super competitive with the other systems. Did you did you get any celebrities that slid in your DMs after you won? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a yes. <laughs> of course, of course. Of course. You're like, you're like, no, no, no. Whoa. You know, you know how that goes. Um, I love it. I love it. But you it. know what? But you know what? A lot of those celebrities, um, some of them were actually super sweet and super helpful and not creepy. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, I would say like the non-creepy folks who um, I absolutely adore, um, you know, Redman, so supportive, yeah. such a sweetheart. Um, ja Rule, um, I know he's controversial after the whole it's fire. Murder. Yeah, but uh, he's, he is such a sweetheart, truly. Um, he's been great. You know, there, there's just been a few folks who have been. Um, what, what were some of the duties that you had to do as winning that with that crown, with that title? What, what came the responsibilities yeah, for that um, year? Yeah, travel, lots of travel, um, lots of events, lots of speaking engagements, mm -hmm. um, appearances appearances, lots of promotion of the pageant in and of itself. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very busy time. Pageants in general require a lot of energy, shaking hands, kissing babies, making speeches, right. um, talking to people about pageantry and, and why you do it, why you like it. Um, yeah, very busy. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, look, I, like I, um, I always try to reach out to people that I know that are doing really cool stuff. And even if it's just like a comment or if I DM, like, yo, congrats, or I'm proud, or whatever. It's always cool to see, like, people that you were in the trenches with, like, at school or whatever, and they're just thriving and, you know, on these massive stages and doing awesome things for themselves and for their communities. It's like, like, it doesn't get better than that. And I love it. It's like, it's, 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 uh, I always say, like, it's, it's, um, it's uh, contagious. Like, you see that. And it's not out of like envy, like, like, oh, why, how does she do that? It's like, yo, I need to step my game up because I need to be at her level. I need to be at his level, you know? Um, and that's why I like to have like these talks with people that I know that are doing doing cool stuff because it's a, this is a very unique experience that you have. And we're going to talk about some other stuff in just a second, but um, just to wrap this part up, like it's a very unique experience to be in something like that, that people know about it, but they don't know about it unless they're in it. They just yeah. see whatever they see is on TV. So I like to get those those backstories or just those firsthand experiences so that people could kind of be uh, in tune to what's going on with certain industries. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, we're gonna jump to now. Um, obviously you're getting your PhD, you're in the process of getting those abbreviations and those, <laughs> that doctor coming soon enough. Um, so. I want to talk a little bit about uh, your, um, you know, your advocate for uh, against, I'm sorry, an advocate against women abuse and all that stuff. I just want to talk about what you got going on with that and how you're shaping, you know, that getting those conversations and then awareness going. Yeah, sure. Um, so in terms of um, domestic violence, you know, unfortunately, I lost my sister um, actually when I was a sophomore at Temple. You don't remember? Um, I went. Yeah, yeah. I went. I was like, yo, it w I mean, it's one of the wildest stories I've ever heard in my life. I was like, what? Yeah. I, I just kept saying, what? Like, I have, I, I think there's still pictures from, you know, when we were there. I, it was, I, I was very, um, not to cut you off, but I was just very, uh, I just wanted to be there because that's just, it was just a 
tragic story and I was like, yeah. it's the least I could do. So I, I remember that very vividly. It was crazy. Yeah, it, it, I don't remember much. It was kind of a blur for me. Because, <laughs> um, you know, bet. there's so many people around, there's just so much going on and so many kind of emotions to just work I will through. Say, I will say when we were there, you were incredibly strong. Like, I don't know how you did it. I would have been in a, I'm the curse. <laughs> I would have been a fucking mess. Like, like you were incredibly strong. And that was the one thing I took from that. I was like, man, like Brittany, man, she's, she's a real one. So, I mean. It's tough. I was actually talking about this with my best friend. I think when you're younger, granted, I guess that's relative, right? But now I'm looking at it. And I think when you're younger, you're just, you're more resilient, right? It's still early on. Um, you just, you're still optimistic. I, I, I actually think it's, well, I don't know if that's fair, but I almost think it's easier to go through some of the more traumatic things that I, like semi-younger. I mean, granted, I'm, I'm assuming it affects the developmental aspects of your brain. <laughs> um, right. But I think, you know, dealing with stuff, constant things over and over as you get older, I think it becomes, it becomes much more difficult. So um, I think it was my youth and my optimism that kind of helped me get through. And then of course I had, you know, I had a village of people that were around to support. So mm -hmm. I'm super grateful. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I wanted to this is connected to pageants, actually. You know, I also was interested in pageants, not only for the scholarship money, but the community service aspect. Sure. Of it. So being able to talk about domestic violence awareness, to share my sister's story, um, mm -hmm. but to also work with government officials to talk about the limitations of restraining orders. My sister had one. One in seven women get stalked even after they've left their abuser. Um, and then also to talk about healthy relationships, right? So mm -hmm. I think a lot of the time society, we kind of joke, we make lots of jokes about domestic violence. Um, we allow celebrities, um, you know, that we look up to that make good music um, mm -hmm. to continue to get limelight even after they've come out as abusers. Um, so to really talk about one, that toxic culture to break it down where it stems from, um, and to be really proactive and talking to the youth about what um, healthy relationships look like, right? And to recognize yeah. those red flags, to recognize what's, what's toxic um, and to kind of cut it off at its head before it even gets started. So mm -hmm. um, definitely done some fruitful stuff with that. I actually have a talk coming up um, with the Atlanta County prosecutor. We're doing a panel here um, in New Jersey in Atlantic City to talk about um, domestic violence awareness, um, abuse and things like that. So I'm looking forward to that. It's no, definitely something that I, that I try to keep on the forefront of, um, I guess my, my community service and- Right. My, I mean, I mean, obviously it's incredibly important and like the numbers and the stats are there if you want to look them up yourself or whatever, but um, is, are there any, like, in, in, are there any specific organizations that you're affiliated with or that you started or you're kind of just like freelancing here and there with help, helping those, those, those charities and those organizations? Yeah, so um, I've worked with a lot. I worked when I was living in Delaware. I did tons of stuff with the Delaware Coalition Against Domestic Violence. I was also really cool with a um, with uh, Governor Jack Markell at the time. Okay. Um, so we did a lot of different work. Um, I had the opportunity of meeting Bo Biden um, when he was alive. Um, you know, wow. they're from Delaware. Um, yeah. And he, he was so great. He gave me his secretary's number and he's like, here, I'm going to connect you to all of the people um, that I know that are doing this work. Um, so basically any and every organization in Delaware that was related to domestic violence, I kind of had my, my hands in. Um, you know, I would say post uh, Miss Delaware and leaving Delaware, I did a lot with the national um, network to end domestic violence and then also the national coalition against domestic violence. So I've been okay. working with that. It's been more so me just kind of like aiding uh, local shelters, talking to politicians and working with um, national organizations that are already established that could actually use some additional support. Sure. 
what do you what 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 do you think is the out of all your experience working with different organizations and hearing people's stories what do you think is like the number one thing that you hear the most when it comes to um domestic violence or someone trying to leave somebody is it like like they'll say like i love him or like can you just kind of explain certain yeah. things, like things that they go through sure um well i actually to go back i think the number one thing that i actually hear not necessarily from victims but from people who who don't have any interaction with domestic with victims of domestic violence or who are not educated um about domestic violence is always say, well why did she why didn't she just go right um, it's always so I, simple right yeah and and and, and that that it, it is so deeply problematic right because it's like it's too it's 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 victim blaming right so it's like you sure. don't ask someone it's her why, fault she didn't leave right, right? it's yeah. like you don't ask the victim why they're victimized you ask the abuser you ask the batterer why they're abusive and why they batter right and it's right. like and if, you know the re it's so sometimes it is so bad that you cannot leave right and we don't talk about the reality that like so many women are tied and stuck in these relationships due to children due to financial control i mean one of the main ways in which you know abusers um you know keep their the person that they're abusing in their control is taking control of all the finances you know a lot of mm -hmm. um, homeless individuals that we see on the street a, a large portion of them especially women have been victims of domestic violence um, yeah. they have nowhere else to go. It's like, well, you're going to come back to me because you don't have any money and I have the house and, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, so I think it's, you know, that type of, that type of statement is, is just really ignorant and doesn't understand how domestic violence works. And then when we think about people who are like, oh, well, the, you know, they're brainwashed. It's also really important to understand the cycle of abuse, right? Mm -hmm. So no abuser is just kind of rolling up and it's just like, I'm abusive. Date me right. now. Like that's not, how if that something happens right? to them yeah it's, it's a cycle behavior. of like things right. seem very normal there's a lot of love bombing oh my gosh this person is so charming so considerate so thoughtful right and then it kind of goes into you know you start to notice um some some aggressive behavior not horrible but not ideal and then there's this explosion right and and again i'm i'm, I'm not being specific and i'm not saying specifically a physical explosion because we know domestic violence isn't just you know, physical, physical it's emotional, mental, verbal, all of it, right? Verbal, but there's a kind right. of explosion, right? And then it goes into the, I'm so sorry, that'll never happen again. I didn't mean that. Then there's kind of a love bombing again. There's some giving of the gifts, right? Take and me back. Goes, and then, right, take me back. It'll never happen again. And then it kind of goes in the cycle. And of course, going in that cycle, you're being further, you know, it's, it's psychological, right? It, it's, it's psychological coercion essentially right you know, to get somebody to stay and then you're kind of in your, there's a lot of gaslighting you're confused like mm -hmm. am i going crazy like you know how, how do we explain what's happening there's there's just so many moving pieces with domestic violence and i i mean not to i mean i i just feel like also i may, I may be wrong but i mean as humans we're creatures of habit so we kind of do pattern we do patterns and and do these habits without even knowing and then when you when someone points it out or you kind of step back and you like see it step by step, you're like, shit, like, <laughs> I'm doing the same shit, like, I need to break this pattern or whatever it is. Because like you said, it come, it could come from growing up how this is the normalcy for that household or whatever. Absolutely. And they don't know any different. Absolutely. I'm just gonna say, you know, you are like three times more likely to, um, you are three times more likely to become an abuser if you yourself witnessed abuse 
in your household. So it's very much so something that becomes normalized. Like this mm-hmm. is what I saw going on between, um, you know, my guardians, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's normal to me. Um, so that's why I also think a big part of doing this domestic violence work is not just um, supporting victims, of course, that's a large part of it, um, but also go- having these preventative measures put in place, mm-hmm. going into secondary schools and from a very, very early age, having conversations with people about what healthy relationships look like. Here are the green flags, but here are the red ones. And once we start seeing these red ones, it's immediately time to go. Don't wait. So, I mean, I guess as far as like identify, identifying problems or I don't even know if you could use that, but how, how do, how do we kind of, I don't want to say fix it, but how do we make it better? Is it the government has to step in these, these organizations, celebrities using platforms, all of the above, like how to, how do we change the narrative and how we move forward and help these people? I mean, essentially, a lot of these abusers, they probably need help, you know? They do. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, they, they do need help, right? Um, sheesh, a lot of them, like I said, um, have witnessed this in their own household, right? And that's traumatic, right? And it's mm-hmm. the way in which you, you deal with that, you cope with that, or you potentially replicate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so these individuals do need counseling. They do need support just as much as the victims do. Um, mm-hmm. You need to be untaught, <laughs> if you will, um, sure. that type of behavior. But I think, I think the most important thing is the way that we um, socialize um, you know, and, and this is not to say that d- domestic violence victims are only women, that's not true. Um, but I do think it is very important that we change the way in which we socialize um, women and men and boys, right? So I think there's there's kind of this tier that allows rape culture, that allows domestic violence to take place. And that tier begins even at the youngest age of, you know, insinuating that women are objects as opposed to humans, right? Or even when I hear mm-hmm. language of like kids playing, right? And it's just like, oh, you you know, you hit like a girl, right? Because right. a girl is weak, they're not strong or, yeah. you know, it's it's this concept of like women are disposable, women are at your service, women are not- Secondary. Um, exactly, and I think that thinking is essentially the basis, right? The base of how this eventually spirals and grows into something else, something bigger, mm-hmm. something worse. Um, so I think thinking about the way we socialize men and boys, that they don't always need to be in control and to have power and domination over somebody, but to actually um, healthy relationships, particularly with partners, if it's a woman, um, is where there's that equal balance, that push and pull and that partnership. That's what a healthy relationship looks like. It's not about dominance and control over someone else. Because the biggest thing with domestic violence, um, as well as rape, um, is is power, is dominance, is control over mm-hmm. another individual and over another being. And I think that's mm-hmm. what's really important is to think about, you know, how that comes into fruition, how how that type, why that that power and that domination is so important. It is taught to people to want to to seek it out. I mean, I'm I'm asking all sorts of questions. I don't even know if you have the answers, but you're doing great. <laughs> I can see why you do well <laughs> in the pageant. But uh, one more thing before we get off on this and go to another subject of like as as an abuser, how can you help them identify that they're in abusive relationships? Because sometimes they may may not even think that they are. Yeah, um, that that's an excellent question. How can you? Uh, I I think it's to. It, it's to, well, in general, when you are dealing with a victim of domestic violence, it's imperative that you go to the victim and not the abuser. The number one thing that families kind of do wrong um, is going to the abuser, right? Because the last thing that the abuser wants is to be outed and you're potentially putting that victim um, in an even- They might lash out. 
Yeah. In an even more dangerous um, space. Mm -hmm. Like you, you told your family, what did you tell them? You know, that can become, you know, fatal in a lot of instances. So I think it's always about going to the victim and Mm -hmm. allowing them, you know, sometimes people, they will say that they don't know what is going on. They may know what's going on, but they just feel like there's no out. Um, So maybe assisting that individual with coming up with a safety plan, like, hey, um, but also, you know, drawing attention to the pattern that you're seeing, or, hey, I noticed that you, one of the big things with abusers is they will try and isolate you from friends and family um, mm-hmm. very strategic so you know be like hey we used to be together all the time I never see you anymore calling attention to the type of changes that have happened that have taken place and asking if that person is actually happy you mm-hmm. know and, and, and trying to get them in a place to recognize um, that the abuse is happening I think that's that's important I mean and, look yeah like in all those Hallmark movies like that's like the first thing is like well we haven't seen you so long it's like yeah, because this is happening, and I'm I'm kind of bringing light to this, but like it's real, like like that's like the first minute thing is like, man, I haven't seen her in a while. I haven't seen her in a while. Like, what's going on? And they're like, yeah, or they'll say stuff like, oh, so and so doesn't like me being with my friends or whatever. And it's like, what? What does that even Red mean? Flag. Red flag. Yeah. So like, what does that even mean? Have boundaries. They have, you know, you maintain relationships outside of your current relationship. You know, right. you're allowed to have privacy. Your partner doesn't have to have all of your passwords. That's not healthy. Like, yeah, right. I, that's so bizarre. Boundaries. <laughs> yes, boundaries. Yes. Uh, I want to shift really quick uh, to. I feel like you have a great um, voice when it comes to just um, protecting the black community. And with last year being such a big year, not only because of COVID, but with everything that went on with the activism, the Black Black Lives Matter, and it was a movement, a, world, a worldwide movement. That's something we haven't seen in so like ever, really. Um, what were you, such a broad question, but during everything that was going on last summer, what where was your headspace at were you kind of overwhelmed were you like on some you know we need this kind of a mix of both like what was what was your 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 mental where was your mental at during that time yeah um i would say a mix of both right just absolutely exhausted um and and angry really angry you know just frustrated that this this is our world right and it and it doesn't have to be um I think the biggest frustration, um, and I almost think it's a blessing and a curse with a PhD, right? Is like the more the more you read, um, I think the more of kind of a pessimist you become. Absolutely. Um, because you recognize like this isn't new, um, right? By any you know at all. Not only is it not new, um, but it's also very strategic and very mm-hmm. layered. The ways in which this world has been created. Um, to only benefit and privilege um, a selected few. And and it's so frustrating, especially as a historian, um, thinking about how not only does the general community, the general American public not understand how these things, how this world has been manufactured very carefully um, to have the inequalities that that exist today. Um, Systematic. Yeah, these systemic inequalities, but also um, it's also been manufactured in a way that you are purposely not going to learn about them authentically um, through your school systems, right? Because that's the only way to actually maintain these systems. Um, and I think it's just, it's it's the frustration, right? And it's especially, you know, the way in which kind of social media has taken off and everybody's kind of this, and I hate to use this term, this armchair activist, um, mm. 
or everybody can give their opinion on what's going on. And, you know, I kind of sometimes just have to step away from my, my phone. Cause I'm like some of the, the ignorance <laughs> that I see in here is, is really frustrating or even being very frustrated with, um, the different forms of liberation tactics, some of which I actually don't think are actually grounded in liberation. I think they're actually grounded in um, a type of uh, reformism and complacency like that what? allows us to stay in the same type of cycle that we're in. Can um, can you elaborate on that? Like, what do you mean by that? Ooh, I don't know. Your 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 followers may not like me. This isn't a sexy statement. As somebody who's an AKA, um, this is perfectly fine. I want yeah, I want to get somebody, sexy. As somebody who you know is an AKA and as somebody who is a black woman, um, it was very. Um, let me say I am for harm reduction, right? But when I think mm -hmm. about um, folks only envisioning our liberation through the electoral system, it mm. is very frustrating right and it's kind of like oh my god Kamala has come and Joe Biden and they are going to save us because the reason why we're in this space is because of Donald Trump and it's just like absolutely not Donald Trump mm. is absolutely deeply problematic he is absolutely a white supremacist he's absolutely you know fascist and all these horrible things and yes I'm for harm reduction but it's to think about you know Joe Biden and Kamala cannot save us because this is bigger than the president and the vice president is it about the Correct. actual structure and institutions within the United States. And um, yeah, it, it was it was really hard for me to kind of celebrate these moments, right, um, with everyone else when I'm thinking about the history and the legacy of both Joe Biden and Kamala and what they represent being elected at a time when you have one of the largest mass movements um, in history, both nationally mm -hmm. and globally, mostly largely in the name of defund the police, along with a lot of the other, you know, institutional ramifications, and you're electing, you know, a moderate Democrat and a career prosecutor. Um, mm -hmm. What does that mean? Whether that whether these individuals are, you know, black or women, um, I think I think it's really important for us to, if we love something, if we want freedom, to really ask hard and critical questions. And I think the United mm -hmm. States has a history of identity politicking us to death, particularly with this administration. Um, and it's not to say, and I'm not saying that you know having people that look like you in places of power is certainly not useful, maybe to the youth or for this idea of which we can achieve anything that we want. Representation. Um, Rep right, but I think representation, identity politics can be very difficult, can be very um, problematic when we're yes. not, when it's not actually extending to changing the material needs and realities Correct. of black people. Um, right. So at the end of the day, it's like, okay, you want to put, for example, Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill, but are you going to give us all the $20 bills? Right. That's nice. It's, it's um, almost like they'll they'll calm down after this happens. It's like but that's what they do. Even looking at like the cabinet, it's like, oh great, like now I have a whole group of women that's gonna tell me that they're not gonna cancel my student loan debt and you know they're going to drop bombs overseas. Um, great, you know, girl power. Like right. that is that is that is not enough. There's only but so far that one the electoral system um, can go in helping us achieve liberation. There's only but so much that representation politics and identity politics can do for us in terms of mm -hmm. actually changing our um, conditions on the ground. Look, I like I <laughs> uh, no, I 100% agree with everything you said. I'm very um, I don't take things for face value. It's like like you said, cool. We they got people got elected. It's like all right, now what? Like, what are we going to, what are y'all going to do to change, you know, hundreds of years of <laughs> systematic oppression, not only for people of color, but poor people, uh, middle class, like, how are we going to uplift these people to like, it, it's just a shame because 
I, I, I'm frustrated because it's the, the country, you see the potential in this country and it's like, we do such amazing things, but then we're so grounded by just oppression and systematic, uh, um, just like everything. Like I, like, I remember like learning about like real, like African history going to college. Like they didn't teach it. Like the only history that we knew of was like, oh, slavery. It was like, yeah, but Africa's been a continent <laughs> with thriving civilizations for thousands of years. Like we're not gonna learn about we're not we're not gonna learn about Mansa Musa, like the richest person ever, and how he was into like he taught the rigs and the rope. Like what are, what are we talking about? And it was very frustrating because I grew up I grew up in Texas. Like I grew up in San, yeah San Antonio, Texas, and you know we for some reason we had like curriculum we had to take Texas history for some reason that was part of the curriculum Texas history. I don't even know what I learned from that class, and. It was frustrating because, like, the only thing we talked about was Martin Luther King. You of know? course, of course. Um, and even then, you know, it was probably a very sedated version of Martin Luther yeah, King. Yeah, and everybody's looking at me because, like, I'm the only, you know, the black, black guy. Black and I'm just like, on behalf, of all the, on behalf of all the black people, yes, Martin Luther King was great. Like, what do you, like, what do I, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was just so frustrating. It's just like, yo, this is crazy. So it was very cool going to Temple and, like, just meeting people and really opened my eyes to, like, the history of, you know, what, what as people we have done and it's like i'm trying to tell and it's trying to educate my you know just people that i know and it's like no like you got first and foremost education is so important and knowledge and that's why they keep it from us because when you know and when Hello. you educate and when you find out what what's really popping it'll change your whole you get you almost get pessimistic and that's how i was last year i was like i i get very upset when um like movies like um uh Judas and the Black Messiah. Like it was a great movie. Like but, Daniel, but it's like, it, it makes me angry. I'm just like, I already know how this is gonna happen. Like, I already know the story. Like, like what, like it's just like Selma, like all those movies. I'm like, I already know what's gonna happen. I'm gonna get upset. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm just gonna be in this state of just limbo. Like, so I just like, you know what? I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing build from the ground up and maybe help out people on the way not maybe but definitely help people on the way who have the same you know driver aspect and you know move in silence and move up into certain things because there's certain things i just feel like i can't help and i it's it, you feel helpless at times you know it's like what can you do and you see it and there's videotape now it's like there's like even with that with with the most evidence you could possibly have before it was like ah, he must have did something or no, or she probably did this. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like there's video, like there's 10 <laughs> minutes, there's nine minutes of video of him literally coming out of a grocery store and homeboy was just on his neck, chilling with his hands in his pockets. Like you can't defend that. And that's just one, that's just one instance that it was caught on film. Absolutely. And I think frustrating. It, it is frustrating. And I think what's even more frustrating is, is like, this is, America, right? And I think I get really tired of kind of this narrative of like, we just need to live up and it's going to be better and push, push, push. And it's like, no, like, like, let's actually sit in this. Like, this is America. This has been America. This is the same right. America. This is the, parent that my, the America that my parents know, that my grandparents know. I mean, they all have, in their generations, they all have names too. And the generation right. before that has names too. Um, this, you know, the category of difference in the racialized other is the American project, literally, mm -hmm. like literally, right? Um, and I, and I just, I, I think the thing that I would want 
you know, viewers and people to take away is that another world is possible. I think one of the things that this PhD program has opened up to me that I think is so revolutionary, not just PhD, because let me start, let me go back to Temple and give Temple its credit. Like, yes, Temple was the foundation. Before you right. go into that, I just want to talk about, listen, I'm, I'm going to have a lot of guests and I probably, I think uh, three out of the four people that I've interviewed already, are, I've known from Temple. Like when we were there, I don't think we really realized how lucky we were to all be at Temple at the same time. Because if you look at all the people that we went to school together with right now, what they're doing, it's incredible. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And I'm just like, yo, I'm so lucky I went to Temple when I did. I'm so lucky I... <laughs> Because I, I went to, I, I, like, on the tours, I went to Howard, I went to Maryland, I went to, like, I went to a couple of schools, and I was like, yo, this is the place I need to be, and I was absolutely correct. So I just wanted to talk yeah, about Temple. I, I, always like to I, shout out I Temple. love Temple. I regret nothing. Um, I wouldn't go anywhere else. <laughs> I, I love Temple. I love Temple in so, so many different aspects. I mean, we could do a whole other podcast just on like, oh, yeah, yeah. why Temple was amazing. Right. <laughs> um, but I was grateful because, you know, African-American studies gave me the foundation um, to the, the baseline foundation to understand so many things, but so many things, especially as someone who grew up in an all white community um, to put macroaggressions, microaggressions, um, things that weren't taught in my history, put all those things in context and give me the language and the tools um, to be right. able to articulate why those things were so deeply problematic. And I think this PhD actually just takes it to another level because not only does it say, hey, here's what we as black people are, here's what black people, we were pre-slavery, here's our history, here's our identity, here's you know, why we do the things we do. And here's why we don't need to be apologetic, right? That our liberation isn't solely tied to our proximity to whiteness, or our ability or, you know, respectability politics, right? Like we yeah. feel like we're, we're okay just being exactly who we are and the ways that we are and your own normativity won't save us. But I think the other part of this that I really appreciate for my PhD program and my studies is recognizing that things that appear to be permanent are not, right? And I think mm -hmm. that's the, the joy of doing history is, you know, the nation state, right? The, like the world was not always carved up into nation states. And, you know, a lot of yeah. folks are that is not the most useful form of human community, right? Because mm -hmm. then you have issues like immigration, like we're seeing right now, which affects so many black and brown people of color. Who does the nation state actually serve? You know, is right. it, you know, who are we? And I think the, these are the tough questions to ask. You know, I ask my friends all the time. I'm like, are we in solidarity with working class brown and black people the world over that are actually being oppressed by the imperial order when they drop bombs on Somalia and Kenya and all these various places, you know, mm -hmm. or, or Iran? Or are we in solidarity with, you know, a history here in the United States that that has continued and has has and continues um, to oppress us? And, and, and even thinking about what this would look like if they didn't, right? It, it, the system functions in the way that it does for a very particular purpose, right? And our, for us to truly have liberation, it would depend the entire system in the way in which it exists. Um, yeah. So, and I say that to say, you know, this this word that people only talk about, capitalism. Um, yeah, we have to talk about that. Like we have to mm. talk about that particular system and how that system is, in, is tied to enslavement and is tied to colonialism, right? Um, these yeah. are the for questions that this PhD um, has asked me to consider and to think about and how a different world is possible. And I actually believe it is in a different world that we'll see our, our, our true liberation. But I'm not, I'm going to get off my soapbox of like for yeah, nah. no, <laughs> politics. I, I wanted you to bring the heat and you did. Um, so with your PhD, whenever you get that, when you become that doctor, what, what's what's gonna what's coming after that? What's what's in store for you? What are your goals for once you be, 
get that PhD? Yeah, I mean, I definitely wanna, I, I wanna stay in academia, but to the extent of like, I wanna be at HBCU probably, or be at a, I mean, I could, I could see myself at maybe a temple, um, but I really think, um, and it's not to say that other people can't do the work of educating folks outside of our community. I'm not saying that work isn't um, useless, but I just don't mm -hmm. feel like that's my calling. Um, I really wanna work with my own community, um, mm -hmm. my own college students um, and, and beyond to talk about, um, you know, history, black history, identity, um, mm -hmm. the world that we know it. And, you know, one of the things that I struggle with is, um, you know, I feel like scholars who are, are really just there for the sake of being scholars, right? And not actually looking at the work that we do as a form of liberation and as a tool to our freedom. So mm -hmm. um, I'm always interested in finding other mediums to reach the mm -hmm. masses. So I definitely, that's kind of where my love for media also ties into all of this. Um, hopefully, God willing, I'll be in a space where I can continue to have these conversations, disseminate this information um, in some type of media capacity as well. I think that's definitely a dream of mine. And, and the last thing that I really want to do, because, you know, I have a few aspirations. Um, I'm excited sure. to local politics. I'm not okay. interested national politics as you just heard me critique them <laughs> right but um, i think i think it starts locally like you gotta yeah like, but i care about local i care about local yeah. politics like i'm not interested in being a part of like what i consider like u.s imperialism or that agenda you know i could yeah. never be vp i don't want to be in part of dropping bombs abroad um but i do care about the local politics like let's say here in like the atlantic city area like i would absolutely love to be mayor i would absolutely love to um assist in curating a space um that really um addresses the needs of the people um that's i awesome. i i used to work with a guy at cuba libre in ac um i believe he's currently still a councilman uh jeffrey Fra uh, flanceloy yeah, I know. yeah 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 i used to work with him that's, very cool wow. dude yeah small world. small world yeah i worked at cuba for a while and i i worked the the nightlife for philly and ac and he used to work there with with us very cool dude um, and when he, he he was in the politics, I was like, "Yo, go for it. whatever you need from me. I'm here." But um, that's dope. I um, couple more things before I I, just, I like to ask. Now we could like have a little bit of fun. Um, so getting your PhD, former Miss Black America, Miss Delaware. What's the dating scene like for you? <laughs> I knew this question was gonna come up. It had uh, to. I I try yeah, to have some fun. I, you know? Can I be honest? I I have tried yes, to please my like personal life completely under wraps or at least off social media. Good. Um, yes, I, like I used to not, I used to have it all, you know, out there for everyone to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have since changed my stance on that. Um, I, I always joke, I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna keep my personal life completely um, hush hush until I'm married and it's like gonna be a game at the wedding and it's gonna be like, who's gonna be, it's gonna be like an unveiling, like who is the right. guy? <laughs> who, who, right. Like the, the mass singer, like the, like the mass singer, right? Um, <laughs> Is it T Pain? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I will say, obviously, um, dating has been interesting to say the least. Um, so let's talk about that really quick. Why is it interesting? What's like? Are you on apps? Like, are you meeting people in person? How's dating been for you? Like during COVID, um, like all of that. I'm just, I'm like, this is stuff that I'm interested in because a lot of people ask me as a single, as a single man in the day in the ages of coronavirus, I'm just like, dude, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to move, you know, in a room full of vultures, you know what I mean? <laughs> facts, facts, facts. Um, I was saying dating was funny. Um, so I am seeing someone right now. Um, okay. But I, you know, prior to that, you know, I would say dating is interesting. I, I think people, 
especially with the, the pageants and the titles and the labels and things like that. I think people love the idea of you, um, but I think that's very different from, you know, actually loving the person that you are, you know, right. like I'm quirky, I'm weird. I have really, really strong radical politics, right? And I think that always really takes, like throws people off. Um, like that. <laughs> this America contestant, like listen to the, you know, it's you've this Valley Girl voice and it's just like, and I'm actually like, yeah, so we should, you know, <laughs> I don't say right. we're government, but you know, I have like very, very radical politics. And I think that throws people off, um, which is fine because then th they weren't for me anyway. I also have a very strong personality um and 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 love myself <laughs> yeah as you should yeah so dating's always been queen really put your crown on queen <laughs> <laughs> so dating's always been um yeah dating's always been really 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 interesting um i've met some cool folks man. I, I met some really cool folks in dc um i'm really eclectic dater that's just because i like people i like yeah. meeting new people i like different cultures yeah. um very similar yes yeah, I, I really, really enjoy that aspect of dating. Um, but yeah, I, I have somebody right now. He's cool. Did y'all did y'all start dating during quarantine or before? Was it like um, pre? A little bit before. Oh wow! So like right before everything happened, and you're like, "Well, we're stuck yes. together." <laughs> pretty much, um, yeah. pretty much. But he's 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 great. I, I really awesome. That, that's good. I'm I'm happy. You seem very happy. That's awesome. Uh, so we're gonna we got a couple more things before we dip. Um, I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions, kind of just quick answers. Um, and if I have some follow-ups, I will, but I probably just go rapid fire. Is that, is that cool? Yeah, cool. All right, cool. Um, your favorite moment uh, as a Temple Diamond Gym? You're at the, in my opinion, the golden era of DGs. I would say we did a dance to uh, Niggas in Paris by Jay-Z. And um, I was front <laughs> for that dance, eating it all up. Um, and that moment will forever stand out to me. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love that dance. Um, and I just felt like that was my moment to shine. And I had it. And it's it's one of those memories that sticks with me forever. I only, I only asked you that only because um, I just want to flex real quick. When I helped you guys with the choreography, that was the first time y'all went to nationals, wasn't it? Yes, 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 yes. And y'all um, got like third place or something? Yeah, we did really well, like really, really well. Um, I, you know what's funny? It's like, I wish I could <laughs> say that was my favorite moment. I absolutely enjoyed myself, but nationals was no joke. Like I always think when people are like, oh, dancers aren't athletes. I'm like, please, please go somewhere because nah. we were up at 6 a.m. We were running and practicing and working out by 8 a.m. And we didn't leave until like 8, 9 p.m. with just a break for lunch and a break for dinner. We were working. We didn't have winter breaks. Um, I remember. A level of, of serious athleticism to that. And uh, yeah, that was that was, a, that was a rough time. But it was great that it paid off. And we took home an award. It was really cool. I mean, I think that was the basis. I always think the Diamond Gems was an excellent dance team. Um, but I think that was the basis for what they are now. I don't know if you're still keeping up with the Gems, but I mean... They no. are, they They're are doing some wild stuff. Wild, like wildly competitive, like very competitive on the- Y'all set, uh, like, set the standard. It was like, y'all started competing. Y'all in third place, like first time. And it's like, yo, this is what it is now. Like Temple Diamond Gems is known for getting that hardware, that trophy. So it's, yep. a, it's like, a, it's a culture now. So that's- Literally. Literally, I'm, I'm kind of riding the coattails in y'all, but I have to do it. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, brought in some break dances to help y'all with some break dance. Yeah, you know I mean, like I was, that was, that was really fun. That was really fun. All right, next question. Um, what's the one thing, uh, post hopefully, 
we didn't really talk much about COVID, which is great. I try not to talk about it because I think we're all over it. But once hopefully everything is lifted and we could kind of go back to going out and things, what's the one thing that you're not going to take for granted? Physical touch. Aww. I'm, I'm a cancer. I'm a toucher. It is so difficult to not just be all over my people. Uh, next question. When you were at Miss America, do you think you were robbed? Do you think you should have got the crown? Or did the right person win? The right person won. Um, I'm very, very good friends with Kira. I think she's excellent. However, I do think there is a politics to who is crowned on the national level because it is a business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, you know how I knew you were about to get real? You smacked your tongue. You were like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, my next question, and this is going to be like a, you could use three words or uh -oh. three or three short phrases. Your favorite, because in honor of Temple and RIP to the draft horse, um, your 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 wildest night at the draft horse, three words or three short phrases. So you don't Ooh. incriminate anybody. <laughs> That's hard. Or your most fun, like the most memorable, something that like, yo, that was a fun. I don't remember them, right? If that's any indicator, <laughs> like I actually can't recall them. That's how good of a time it was. Uh, blackout, right? Two words for you. <laughs> Those were really crazy times. I feel like that was a pageant answer, but I'll take it. It's fine. Anyway, I know, I know, I know. I know. We're, the, we're the queens I, of deflection. <laughs> right, right. And then I start confessing my truths. I'm like, wait, I asked you the question. <laughs> All right, so uh, with that being said, I have a gift for you. Your gift, you're gonna, you can ask me any question you want. I have to answer unless it's a question that's already been asked and I'll let you know that. So you have any question you want, you can ask me and I have to answer. And nothing's off limits. <laughs> I'm so PC. I just want to like, what has dating been for you? Like, that's my, <laughs> that's my question. I'll scope it. That's my, that's your question. Are you sure? Uh, is that your point on? Uh, I know. I'm so, I'm so PG. That's fine. Um, in general or during COVID or? Um, in general and during COVID. Yeah. All right. So in general, it's, it's, uh, I'll say it's interesting because I'm in a weird age where um i there, there's a certain age group that i can't date anymore because then it's just like okay you're you're a creep but it's also like the age group around my age i'm uh, i'm 35 i'll be 36 this year the age group that i'm at like with women they're if they're not already having kids or married or whatever they want that they're, they they want to start that and they want a guy um, to already have the career, the house, the this, the that, the that, the that, which is understandable. It's cool. So I'm kind of in the middle because I'm like, I'm working on all of those things that's like, you know, kind of uh, hindering me a little bit, like finance and, you know, and even career. I don't have like a, um, a nine to five or moving up and getting promotions. I'm an entrepreneur and yeah. And I really believe in what we're doing with Water Ice and with my personal brand that I just launched earlier this, uh, late last year. 
Um, and it's just a matter, it's one of the things, it's just a matter of time. And it's hard to, it's hard to express that or convey that for, for women my age, because they don't have time for that. Like, yep. They don't have time. And I, and I totally understand it's cool, but like, I'm gonna keep it a bean. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to it. It's like, look, I, I got, everybody got baggage and I could, I could explain what my baggage is, but it's like, look, I promise you, like, like I'm so focused right now. It's crazy. So it would be cool. It would be cool to meet someone um, and to like grow together, whether it's career or whatever it is. And when we get to that point, I know that, you know, it was meant to be because they were with me before success, the money, all that stuff. You know what I mean? And I don't know if it's conceited, but I just, I, I, I have a, I know that it's going to work out. I, I, for some reason, I just have a very optimistic outlook on my, <laughs> on my life. I'm like, it'll work out. Like, I'm very think, not I don't sure. think there's anything wrong with that at all. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, I'm very nonchalant with stuff. I'm just like, oh, it'll work out. Or if it doesn't come this week, it'll come next week. Like, la, 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 la. Like, I don't, because it does. And it just does, you know? So when you work hard at something and you and you persevere and stuff, so I just feel like things are going to work out. But it's hard to express that. Or I wouldn't say it's hard to express that, because I, I can express that perfectly fine. But women will be cool with it, but then they're like, they're not, because time yeah, it, it's tough it's like it's it's uh it's it's like really tough to balance right even for myself because it's like on one hand it's like i have goals i want to achieve them not really trying to let that compromise that's needed in a relationship to um deter me from them but at the same time like you said it's like that that pressure of like well do i want kids and if i want kids and i kind of need to be cognizant of this it's 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 a struggle it's definitely a struggle um, yeah i mean and that and that's just pre right and pre covid so during covid like oh, i'm yeah. not a i'm not a i'm not a so i'm not a uh app dating app guy like i tried it i'm good like I, it's just not for me like I, I like i don't it's just a lot of the it's just very monotonous to me um and just a lot of empty conversation it's like why am i here it just feels like instagram you know what i mean um and i like like you i miss just like going to places and meeting that feels to go to meeting people yeah. and just not worried about because that's just where I thrive. I'm a social person, and that's just where I, where I'm very comfortable in my element. And you know, I it, look, rejection is a part of life. I'm okay with that. Like it is what it is, but it's part of the thing, right? It's like, all right, cool. Like it was nice to meet you. You know, whatever, whatever. Try again another time, and it's and it just it, it helps you. It help it help you hone in on your skills, right? <laughs> it's like being in the gym shooting shots. Like shooting your shot is real. Like you know. Um, yeah. But with that being said, like I, you know, I, 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 I have fun, and you know, until something comes along, which I'm open to, if something serious or something that feels right, I want to see where it goes. You know, so that's that's kind of it in a nutshell. It's a long-winded question uh, answer, but Absolutely. it was a lot. It was a lot to unpack. Shameless plug. Um, so yes. uh, there's a dating app called Checkmate, um, which is if you're gonna, if you are a social person. Um, yeah. Doesn't like the typical swiping. I like their app because um, it's all video and voice communication. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah, there's no texting, so it's like you have wow. no choice but to. Because you know, I think the thing with like regular dating apps, it's like you know, there's just a million two matches, and you're swiping, and you sure. know, maze have disposable anywhere. Um, but where this is just like you don't want to just send a voicemail or a video message to anybody, so you have to be very hey, big head. Right. <laughs> Is, so, is um, that how you met your current um, partner? Your current partner? Is that how you met him? Ooh, so 
I can't answer that question without giving away who my partner is, which I am trying to like keep on the hush. <laughs> can you tell me off camera? Yes, I can. All right, cool, 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 cool. All right, so speaking of shameless plugs, um, where can people find you? Social medias, websites, uh, 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 organizations that you want to promote? Uh, what you got? Yeah, sure. Um, so if anybody wants to just learn more about me, they can go to my website, which is BrittanyLeeLewis.com. Um, that's the same for all my social media handles, Instagram, BrittanyLeeLewis.com, Twitter, just pretty much anywhere. It's my full, it's my government. So uh, yeah. that's you can find me if they're interested. And yeah. The photos on your website are very dope. So good job with that. Um, you <laughs> look the same, if not better from the, I came, I think the last time we talked was like, what, 10 years ago, maybe? I think, I think that was the last time. Oh, we have to I do think that. so. Well, so, I mean, look, you over here winning pageants and shit yeah. on national TV. I'm like in the cut, you know. And well, regular like, old Brittany Lewis. No, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just messing with you. Now we, you know, every once in a while we'll like we'll go back and forth, or whatever. I just like I want to be like that guy, like, like trying to like send messages and be like, oh, he's thirsty. Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah, like, I, I, I'm genuinely there happy. I'm like, there, yo, there like, have been a few of those from Temple, and I'm like, sir, like. Yeah. We weren't that close. Wow. This is shady. <laughs> I think that you have a child. Right. You got to get about my DMs. Um, right. <laughs> right. And that's what, that's why I was like, no, we're cool. Like, that's why I'm like, fuck it. You know, I'll just send it to her. Like, because I'm gen I'm genuinely proud of my friends that are doing good shit. I'm proud of you. Like, you've done a lot and you're about to do even more. So I'm just very happy for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So thank you so much. I, you know, I hope you have fun. Always. It's always a pleasure with you. It's like, it just flows. It's easy. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks again. Well, there you have it, folks. The lovely Brittany Lee Lewis on the Gentleman's Corner podcast, episode three. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you go follow Brittany at Brittany Lee Lewis, all one word. Gentlemen's Corner Podcast, powered by Water Ice Radio and WaterIce.com. You're scooped to everything Philly. Please like, share, subscribe on all social media platforms to get your scoop to everything Philly, as well as showing some love to my fellow podcast show, The Lonery Live Podcast, also streaming on all platforms. Make sure you go check us out over there. Alrighty, folks, I'm done. Jay the Gentleman here, signing off. The Gentleman's Corner podcast episode three until next time stay safe i'll talk to you soon peace <laughs>